If you're always on the go like myself and don't have time to sit down and read, Audible.com is a great source to be able to catch up on the latest bestsellers. Listen to it while on the road or at the gym. Audible.com is a leading provider of premium digital audio information and entertainment on the internet. Audible content includes more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Audible carries Audible books in every genre imaginable business, classics, history, self development, just to name a few. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30 day trial membership. Just go to audible.com slash replay and choose from over 180,000 audio programs. Download a title for free and start listening. It's that easy. Currently, I am listening to the classic One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish. One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish, Black Fish, Blue Fish, Old Fish, New Fish. Okay, that's、This、genius. Go to audible.com slash replay. That's audible.com slash replay and get started today. Great. Thanks. Thanks. So,、um, I will admit I am not an enterprise expert. I spent a lot of my time worrying about Marissa Mayer's doing at Yahoo. Not much.、Um, so,、um, and who the Twitter CEO is going to be, I'm here to announce it's me. Very excited to take on the challenge. I did beat out Jack Dorsey, but largely because of his beard.、Um, not a CEO beard, I think.、Um, anyway, we're going to be talking about,、uh, we're talking about where information is going, and especially in companies that are information heavy and in great need of security. And so I want to bring up、um, uh, Marty from Goldman Sachs to come and talk about it. Thanks. Great to be here. Thank you. Thank you for coming.、Sure. That's a nice beard. I'm sorry,、Thanks、I just totally invented insulted beards. Yeah, yeah. I'm jealous. It's, it's, it's nice looking. It's、uh, a nice thing. Thank you. Beards are thick. I trimmed it yesterday. Oh, was he? I、yeah. was just in Brooklyn and、Once、I couldn't believe some、yeah. of the Lincoln beards that were going on there. <laughs> But anyway,、um, enough said about beards.、Um, let's talk about you and how you got to what you're doing because、uh, Eric gave me some statistics which I thought were fascinating. And I do want to talk about how you got to what you're doing.、Okay. Um, when we announced you, we got an email from Reed Hastings of Netflix,、um, who is a.、Um, Who was, went to school with you,、That's、and he、true. praised your bioinformatics. Yes, you shared an office in, at Stanford.、Mm-hmm. Um, he was praising your bioinformatics. That's where he lost me in the email,、uh. um, but because I really wanted to talk、uh. about. My parents、know. wanted me to be a doctor. I see. Okay. okay.、Um, you were at Stanford with him.、Um, But talk to me about how you got to Goldman Sachs, because there's an interesting story around it. Around, it has something to do with a monastery, a toilet, and the voice of God. <laughs>、okay. so、why don't you tell us that story? Okay, well, I've really had two careers at Goldman Sachs.、Mm-hmm. So I'll tell you a little bit about the first one and a little bit about the, the second stint. So it's、okay. a total of maybe 20 years with a, an int- a seven year、uh, break in the middle of it. But I never planned a career in finance,、mm-hmm. never even thought about it. That was probably a good thing because. Most of my graduating class, which was class of 85,、um, actually did go to Wall Street, but then there was a little stock market crash in 87.、Mm-hmm. So there really aren't a lot of people in my class of 85 on Wall Street for that reason. I was,、mm-hmm. was going to be a doctor.、Um, that I split the difference with my mom and dad. I really wanted a PhD in computer science,、mm-hmm. and they wanted a doctor, so went to, to med school. And I was just.、Um, In one of those cyclical troughs of Silicon Valley, it was,、uh, it was 93. Right. Really rough time in Silicon Valley. And out of the blue, I just got some headhunter packets. And I didn't feel too special. Reed got one too. Everybody in、mm-hmm. the department got one.、Um, and it was a, an East Coast bank that 
expressed an interest. And so finally I decided I'd take this bank for a, a free trip to New York and go mm-hmm. see some Broadway shows mm-hmm. and have a big All right. weekend on Fire Island and, okay. uh, and then go to my interviews on, uh, on Monday morning. Later. <laughs> yes, go ahead. And, and so what had happened is that the Goldman Sachs way back then in the 90s had told uh, Headhunter, make a list of entrepreneurs in Silicon Valley with PhDs from Stanford in computer science and, and get them to come here for some interviews. Right. And I just happened to take the bait. And I think at that time, Kara, for me, the, the big thing was I had actually gotten bored of making software for its own sake. And right. I wanted to Apply. use math and software for some problems. Right. And that was what drew me in. So, so. you started there, at very you know, early Neanderthal stages and how they were doing trading and everything else, correct? Or? Neanderthal, yeah, throwing phones at the screen, all yeah. of that. And yeah. um, I, saw I the actually, movie. I, saw <laughs> I really saw I that happen. I get all my information from that one Michael, uh, that one movie. Oh, Read is good, Wall right. Street. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's fiction. <laughs> but anyway, there, there, there were a, a lot of angry traders. And I actually grew up in the oil trading business mm-hmm. uh, of all places. And I think uh, Goldman had figured out pretty early on that that having math and software together in united in the body of individuals who actually could do mm-hmm. math and software, as opposed to the old method of some people do some math and they hand it over to some other people who code it up. Mm-hmm. I think that was the brainwave. And the other brainwave was you can't put the engineers off in a corner. You really want to put them on the trading desk where you can see them. Mm-hmm. And then they'll actually figure out what needs to get built, right. as opposed to having some salespeople and traders, fantastic people, actually no skill whatsoever in mm-hmm. software requirements. But no so, skills in many things. Yeah. But uh, that's another issue altogether. Um, so you, so what, you left. I did. Uh-huh. And? I left. And it was the dot-com boom. And it was a time when I thought, So you wow, wanted to rush out uh, for you know, a food I delivery service. Uh, not quite that. I, I thought, well, I know some people with some money. And I know this business of commodities and analytics. And mm-hmm. um, one of the things that that I really specialize in is having uh, uh, a, an amazingly sharp vision of the future mm-hmm. and the world's worst timing. Okay. So I started a company about two weeks before the dot-com bubble burst. Nice. Well done. Yeah. And um, that was an amazing experience of going from a very high private market cap to zero. Okay. And then figuring out how to build a real company that real clients paid real cash money for a right. real service. And right. so I learned a lot. Finally uh, got it to a safe landing, sold it uh, to SunGuard, mm-hmm. and I was completely fried, and I went out to Fire Island, and I just sort of stared at the ocean. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is when I got a call from Gary, who's now our president. Right. Uh, he was my boss the first time around, mm-hmm. and he said... Where does the monastery fit? Yeah, toilet? well, yeah, right, it was okay. right, right here. Right. So he said, uh, Marty, I, I heard you sold your company. That's great. Congratulations. I heard you retired. That's ridiculous. Uh-huh. And I'm calling to share with you that you're returning to Goldman Sachs. Okay. And, um, and so that was not something that was on any of my plans. And so I did what a lot of people do. I, I call my parents. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and my mom actually said, you know, Marty, there's this monastery in the, the northern part of New Mexico. It's my home state, way up in the mountains. It's like Shangri-La. It's really beautiful. You should go there and just chill out, and then you'll figure out what to do. So I went there, and um, this, I, this actually happened. Bow okay. of silence. Everyone gets a job. My job was clean the toilets. Okay. And while 
cleaning the toilets. God, God said Goldman spoke Sachs. to me yes. for the first and only time in my life. <laughs> He's been silent ever since. And okay. said, go, go to Goldman Sachs, what? take that offer. Yeah. He didn't say buy no, Uber no, someday? No, or? go to Goldman Sachs. Go to Goldman yeah. Sachs. And, Facebook, and, it's going to be something. Go to Goldman Sachs. All right. And, and, and you have really, a strange God. I it's a very strange God. Um, and if you roll forward, so, so here we are. I've been doing the same thing my whole life, which is solving problems with math and software, okay. just like me. All right, me. so we're going to get to that. So you have 11, th- that is fascinating, your voice of God thing. <laughs> I like to know where people come from. Um, you, you, you have 11,000 engineers with a third of the head count of Goldman Sachs. That's correct. You have 120,000 servers in a private cloud. Um, you have 1.5 billion lines of code. I'm doing these big numbers because I know how... Y'all like big numbers. Including a bunch of it in a language that we right. invented. We right, rolled exactly. Our own, yeah. So, you know, this is a big operation. It's a third of the business. Right. Tell us why, what that, what's happening right now in financial software. Because yeah, so, it's a big boom now in Silicon Valley. Suddenly everybody's focusing on sure. that area. Fascinating. Everybody yes. is focusing on it. I, I, I would say I wish I had, had thought of this meme, but of course Mark Andreessen did. It's just software eating the world. So yep. software is eating the world of finance. Mm-hmm. Um, we could His have one this week is financial software is eating the world. Uh, there, there's that. And yeah. We could have a debate over whether financial technology companies in Silicon Valley will actually know the use cases of financial companies, especially institutional mm-hmm. finance, as it's practiced in New York. Right. And there are companies that are doing some interesting kind of, you know, they don't want to be a regulated bank. Right. And they so don't. they're renting bank charters and right. you know, personal view. I cannot recommend that strategy to anybody. All right. And so one of the well, things... Well, that's what a bank would say. But uh, go ahead. Of course, I have to say, talking yeah. talking, talk my own book. Um, right. But I, I think it's just the case that if you're doing something interesting, the regulators will regulate it. Mm-hmm. And if they're not regulating it, it's because it's not interesting. Okay. okay? All right. So. so that's a very good point. That's a really good point. So you um, talk a little bit about where it's going. And I want to talk about your, your theories on how to do this. Oh, you, you're a very big proponent of open software. Yes. Um, you've, you also make investments in yes. financial financial infrastructure software, That's right. um, which I do want to talk about. But first, where do you think financial tech is now? Because again, as I said, in Silicon, Andreessen Horowitz, speaking of market, just hired a financial uh, tech person to focus in on it. There's a lot of interesting finance, like SoFi is an interesting company. There's mortgage yes. financing. There's, call, it's, there's so payments, many. so yeah. many different things. Yeah. Obviously, you know, Bitcoin, whatever's happening yes. there Absolutely. this week. Um, what do you, but it's a big, it's, a, it's, it's really a big focus now suddenly in Silicon Valley, this particular area. Yeah. Where do you imagine it going and what's happening right now? So uh, we've been making these kinds of investments for, for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I look after a portfolio, it's called Principal Strategic Investments. It's about 60 companies mm-hmm. and we generally aim to own sort of order of 10% of a company. And mm-hmm. so you can kind of figure out uh, how much capital we put into it. It's had amazing IRRs, sort mm-hmm. of near 40% over mm-hmm. the cycle since 2008. Mm-hmm. And so we've been doing this for a long time, but it's not just investing in companies that we think are going to go up in value. Right. It's investing in companies, in many cases, creating the companies, usually mm-hmm. with our competitors and our clients, mm-hmm. and then capitalizing them. And they're companies that are aligned with the so business. So what are you looking at? What do you think is... So classic, I'll, I'll give you an example. I'll just mention it's one of our portfolio companies. I'll disclose that. And so we have a, a, a little stake in them. Um, it's, uh, it's called Kensho. 
Kencho, yes. Kencho. Yep. And a fantastic name. Very hard to think of names, by the way. Right. Um, for those but they who, still come up with idiotic ones every day. They so. do. For those who care, Kensho is the penultimate state of enlightenment immediately preceding Buddhahood. Okay. And so that's the name. I assume of God the told you this at the toilet. Or <laughs> God at it. Right. Um, and uh, and so 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 one of the things that I think that's is, not pretentious at all, by the way. It's super interesting. <laughs> yeah. Is that uh, is that um, it's really is our strategy at, at Goldman Sachs and what we it could work it it maybe won't work but we have adopted this strategy wholesale mm -hmm. which is a platform strategy. We are not the first to invent mm -hmm. a platform no. strategy by mm -hmm. any stretch of the imagination. But if you if you think of an analogy, imagine a company that was, say, a search company. Mm -hmm. But unlike some search companies that have decided to let everybody come to the website and do searches self-serve on their own, mm -hmm. this other search company thought, no, that search engine's too important. We got to keep it internal and proprietary. Mm -hmm. And if you want to search, you pick up the phone and you call your salesperson and you tell them your search terms and they type it into the engine and they send you back the results. Mm -hmm. That is an exact description of how Wall Street works today. Okay. Right. And we think that that doesn't make any sense in 2015. Mm -hmm. And so all these tools and analytics and software that we've been building that mm -hmm. you mentioned, internally. all the servers internally, mm -hmm. we think it's just pretty obvious that mm -hmm. it makes more sense if our clients can come and get all those analytics that we previously kept internally uh, internal, the secret sauce, if you will. So you're wholesaling the, the stuff that you've been doing. And we make it available. And clients can come to us with more of their flows and more of their business and their problems. And that's mm -hmm. one way that we can generate a return on this investment. Mm -hmm. And there's also software as a subscription models in there. And so it's a platform strategy. So we're opening up our ecosystem. It used to be the only hook into Goldman Sachs was the API of calling your salesperson on the right. phone. Now we're creating lots of hooks. Kensho is a company that is really the first in what you could call our version of a Google Maps Uber strategy. Okay. So Kensho doesn't have capital. They doesn't, don't have our kind of analytics. Mm -hmm. they, don't, they can't actually do a trade for you, especially mm -hmm. trade in size. But Kensho does do something really cool, which is People are thinking about a theme like geopolitical risk or OPEC production cuts, and Kensho crawls the web and figures out which financial assets will perform around events like this. Mm -hmm. And then Kensho integrates with our platform, and you can drop your Kensho model into our platform, and you can refine so it, creates it models and you get for a trade. You, so you don't need to speak to... We don't need to do everything. Kensho right. can do what they do. We can do what we do. Mm -hmm. And it's really an ecosystem platform. Doesn't that render what your bankers do is... Pointless? Um, no, uh, I, I will say that there. Ultimately, you know, that's the goal of, of Larry Page of Google for sure. I mean, he we, wants to replace humanity. We, we have a, we, we have a lot kidding. of roles in the firm. I, I, I'll give you one statistic that I think is interesting. Mm -hmm. So in 2000, we had 600 traders in New York at one mm -hmm. New York plaza who made markets in US stocks. Right. Today we have four. So just looking at that, I, I'm not sure that I would want to go into trading. Right. On the other hand, world-class relationship managers, everybody needs them. 
sales, mm -hmm. distribution. I think that's just going to keep mm -hmm. happening for a long time. But there's a lot of the workflow that really needs to be automated. It needs to be encrypted. It needs to be audited. Why hasn't financial been automated? Because it really is a people business, even though it's it's shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. It's been a highly artisanal, bespoke artisanal. business. Artisanal. Okay. Uh, all right. Yeah, or, or, okay. You, know, you, you, you hear a number on the phone, you type it into a spreadsheet, you email it to someone, and that continues yes. a couple dozen times. Right. And so it's it, one of the things we've done, for instance. I would not say artisanal. I'd say costly to the consumer, but go ahead. <sighs> I'll go with artisanal. Right. So, okay. um, <laughs> if, if you, um, so if you look at uh, an IPO, someone mm -hmm. mentioned IPOs earlier. So mm -hmm. we've actually built a Signavio flowchart of mm -hmm. all the steps in an IPO, and there mm -hmm. are 160 in between when the leadership decides they want an IPO right. and when it actually opens for trading on stock exchange. Okay. Where's right. annoyed by the press? Somewhere in there. <laughs> there's a lot of, yeah. there's loops of that, as you would yeah. know. And okay. so a lot of that is just ripe for workflow automation. Absolutely. We really haven't had the right open software platform that's interconnecting the buy side and the sell side. Why is that? I want to get to the heart of like, because, you know, if you do think about financial systems, it should be all automated. Every bit of it should be. So I, I agree with you. And again, as the, as the looking after key. the 11,000 engineers at Goldman Sachs, I, I would, that's talking my own book, of course. Um, what I would say is that the regulators have very appropriately taken away financial leverage from the system post the crisis. Mm -hmm. And so with the financial leverage gone, the only thing you've got is old-fashioned operating leverage, automating things, workflow efficiency, mm -hmm. which we're doing. There's a lot of respects in which our business is becoming a lot like Walmart, mm -hmm. getting That's what I was the right I was thinking. products on the shelves before the clients actually show up right. uh, to buy them, but not too soon, right? right? And definitely not too I was late. Exactly that. Well, well there, there's actually a huge component of that, but there's no free lunch. So, one thing that we think about a lot is that in the old-fashioned trader world, when we had 600 traders, there's only so much mischief that two traders talking to each other on the phone can do in a unit of time. Mm -hmm. But if you have computers pumping millions of orders directly into the exchange, as we've seen it again and again, mm -hmm. there's no limit to the right. amount of bad things so that can happen. So talk about that, the, the cybersecurity issues. And so sure. because, you know, Goldman Sachs has got to be very concerned, obviously, healthcare. There's certain areas. I mean, it, yes. when celebrity nude photos get out, we all get all upset, but I don't think it's the giant, most giant crisis on sure. earth. But these are more serious things, infrastructure issues, um, how companies are run, manufacturing, and finance. So one of the things that, of course, we, we take extremely seriously, as we're embarked on this platform strategy, where everybody can come to us through an API or through a web user experience or through an, a mobile user experience, we are greatly increasing the surface area of Goldman Sachs, right? Mm -hmm. It was one thing Absolutely. when it was just uh, traders on the phone. Mm -hmm. And now we've got APIs and entry points all over the place. Mm -hmm. And so there's some basic principles that make a really big difference. If you look at a lot of the cybersecurity events, mm -hmm. I think what you will find is in, in the style of the, the Maginot line, someone left a front door open or maybe a back door open. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter if you have a great perimeter. If you leave half of it open, someone will walk right in. Right. Encryption, hugely important. End-to-end, -end, at rest, everything encrypted, two-factor authentication, send links and not attachments. Mm -hmm. A few of these basic hygiene principles make a big difference. Mm -hmm. One of the things that, that we think about a lot is while it's, it's very much of the moment to talk about state-sponsored terrorism, yes. we are uh, very concerned about insiders, mm -hmm. and actually they could be innocent, well-intentioned insiders mm -hmm. doing something by mistake. By mistake, right. you're worried about sure. stupid people. Is that correct? I mean, 
Human nature is a constant. Okay. And so that's one true. Of the <laughs> that's true. My my grandmother, her favorite expression was, uh, "Intelligence has its limitations, but stupidity is infinite." But that's just it's a good saying. Um, so you're worried about insiders doing malevolent things or just making mistakes? Actually, we're more worried about insiders making mistakes, right. sending an attachment that they didn't mean to send right. to the wrong person oh, that look was at the this wrong cute attachment puppy. Right, yeah. that you know, maybe had a bunch of right. uh, numbers in it that right. really didn't need to be set. Right. right. So that sort of thing. And there you run into, into the halting problem, right? Mm -hmm. You can't write software that's going to prevent people from doing all stupid things and only let them do all smart but things. But state-sponsored uh, cyber attacks are still of a concern to you and many other companies. Absolutely, and there we do... Where is that coming from the most? Is it China or is it... And others. And others. Yes. But China and others. And others. What others? Uh, North Korea. I think that's I think that's well known. Yeah. Um, and look, there's a bunch of random organizations. Maybe some of you have heard of. Um, oh, here's one. Uh, DD for bits. DD for BC. It's mm -hmm. called right. Mm -hmm. Distributed denial of service for Bitcoin. Right. Okay. So they uh, they 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 flood your pipes and then they ask you for forty bitcoins. Right. So okay. Some of these organizations we don't even know where they are. We don't have any reason to know whether they're state sponsored or not. Right. And an old school distributed denial of service attack works. is a real problem. Yeah. It and works. it can work. And there's Mitigants, there's Akamai, there's clean pipe services. There's a lot you can do. Mm -hmm. So when you think about where finance is going, you know, you've got to think about long term. You make all these investments. I'm going to ask you a couple more things. We have about ten minutes and okay. a couple minutes for questions. Um, you invest in something like Symphony, which, for sure. example, talk yes. about that just really briefly. And I, I'm curious if yeah, you think it replaces me. something like Bloomberg. Uh, no, I don't think of it that way. I think it, well, here's the story. Start of, as a messaging. Yeah, it, here's the story of Symphony. And, and so just briefly, I'll mention we used to have this mantra when I started at Goldman Sachs about software, mm -hmm. which was really cute and it served us pretty well, but it's okay. over. And it was, was the only thing crazier than making all your own software is not making all your own software, all right, okay. which is how we ended up with one and a half billion right. lines of software. Right, right. so you okay. build it first. Yeah, so we have changed that, and right. so now we have a, a very different mantra, which is download, build, buy. Right, And so okay. we're huge adopters of open software and also increasingly large-scale contributors to open software. So right. this is very much in keeping with the times, a very small team of our engineers got together and they thought, well, could we stitch together a dozen platforms that exist, Kafka, Solar, a few others mm -hmm. you would all know, and create yet another, yet another messaging system. This mm -hmm. one, the best ever. Mm -hmm. And we've had so many on Wall Street and all over the planet. Mm -hmm. And we thought, okay, what we need is structured and unstructured communication, IAM, workflow, amalgamates Twitter, encryption end-to-end -end and at rest, and importantly for our heavily regulated industry, every company can put in its own compliance engine. Right. These people are allowed to talk, these people are not allowed to talk. Mm -hmm. This software went viral inside Goldman Sachs. And right. then we asked the obvious question. Could well, it go viral like, Well, wouldn't it even be better if right. we were using this to talk to our clients and to our competitors? Right. And so it really seemed, you know, Bloomberg, amazing company, amazing fully priced service. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> we think that there is also- Fucking expensive, right? Okay. Uh, room in yeah. 2015 for something that's taking a very different strategy, which right. is open APIs. The price is right. It's zero. Right. And so we um, got together with some of our competitors. And as 
you would expect. They're all appropriately cautious about mm -hmm. we're Goldman Sachs and we're here to share and help. Right. Um, and so uh, <laughs> then I think when we when we actually showed them and said we're prepared to put it under an Apache 2 license, put it up on GitHub and right. take the capital right down mm -hmm. and give it away mm -hmm. and and invite you into the cap table and let's go find a company that's going to sell solutions and services around this open platform. Right. Easiest way to think of it, very Hollywood kind of way of thinking about it, it's Slack for the heavily regulated world okay. is one way that we're thinking about it. And so increasingly, all these tools and services and analytics that I was talking about opening up, we're going to hang them on Symphony. Great. So two more questions. You mentioned Slack. Um, yes. we, that's a company that's very exciting to Silicon Valley right very. now. Um, two more questions. I'm going to one about diversity very briefly, and then we'll get to questions. Just, sure. We just have a few minutes. Um, what is the most exciting company? See, not one that you own. But not, it doesn't have to be. It could be Soylent if you really feel like saying that, which I will mock you behind your back if you do. <laughs> um, but is there something like Uber or so or Slack or something like that you think, wow, that's a really interesting? Yeah. Um, at the risk of seeming even shallower than I actually am, mm -hmm. I love Instagram. Instagram. That's my favorite. Why? Uh, <laughs> Why? I'm, just, I'm always interested in what people oh, find. Pictures, Why? visual stimulation. Uh -huh. Yeah, there's just a lot of that. So. And what it's doing, it's how it's creating this platform around that. It's, it's an amazing thing. I wish I'd thought of it. Yeah. And diversity. You want to talk about that? It's a big issue yeah. on Recode. We talk about it a lot. We yeah, it a I'm lot. not going to... Okay, so um, we talked a bit about this, right? Yeah. I, I, I get to be a um, you know, diversity poster child. I'm gay and Hispanic, and I have tattoos. Yeah, I was getting it yeah. from the fire. <laughs> I have tattoos, too. Right, okay, I bet I have more. Uh, um, and okay. so Later. <laughs> Later in Fire Island. We'll yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so, look, you, you, could, you can Google Goldman Sachs diversity metrics. I'm not going to actually give you the metrics, but they're all there. So mm -hmm. they're, they're public, and, and I'm, they, they're not what I want them to be. No. Right? Um, little little story that I love to tell. A few years ago, one of my colleagues saw me in an office with another one of our partners, and he opens the door, he sticks his head in, and he says, 50% of the Hispanic partners of Goldman Sachs right here, right now, and then closes the door and leaves, right? <laughs> and so we have made some, yeah. some progress. Yeah. Uh, certainly, we work hard at it, but I'll just give you a couple of things that we have done differently that are beginning to work. All right. So the old, so it makes sense, just Go hire more diverse people. Yes, that is certainly that's one said. way to get more diverse. Yeah, I had Mark Benioff just recently, and he said, Kara, how do you think we should have more women in, in our company? I said, hire, hire more. more women. Sure. And, <laughs> and we have found that that is absolutely not enough. Right, okay. And so one thing that we've noticed is that our diverse people, perhaps maybe like canaries in a coal mine, they are more sensitive to something in the environment mm -hmm. that's not really optimal for them, mm -hmm. and they're selecting themselves out right. over time. And it, it can happen pretty slowly. Mm -hmm. right? And so, so this is a harder problem, but instead of yeah. coaching our diverse people to fit in mm -hmm. with the phone-throwing oil traders, mm -hmm. right, we're actually taking the exact opposite move, which is we're coaching all the majority people. Mm -hmm. And so we have a program that we're really serious mm -hmm. about. It's called Subtle and Significant, mm -hmm. where we make people aware of all the things that they're doing, mm -hmm. that they're not even aware that they're doing, that are turning off the diverse people. Mm -hmm. Why are we doing this? For a long time, diversity had really been 
let's face it, the case had been one of it's the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. And so it turns out it was really important to make it not only the right thing to do, but the business smart thing to do. It's business imperative. Yeah, that's it's the argument. looking like our clients. It's why would we cut ourselves off from someone who might have the best idea ever? That would just be dumb. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting when you're saying it's it's people not selecting themselves out, but I think the the whatever the majority group is in Silicon Valley, it's always seventy percent white men, essentially. Sure. Um, I think it it is a pattern matching that happens that they are fully participatory in and pretend that they're not. The word the word we're using in Silicon Valley, which I'm trying I'm trying to get rid of in every audience I mention, is unconscious bias. Which is, I didn't mean to be racist. Like, I, you know what I mean? It's sort of lazy. It's a lazy kind of Not argument. Not a good answer. Right. And that's why we're doing they this program to, yeah. to, to bring to people's awareness, brutally if necessary, right. the things that they're doing that they're not conscious of. Do you imagine? Because you're in finance and tech, so it's like a double whammy of non-diversity, correct? <laughs> right. Actually, we, you know, if you look at our stats, they're not wildly different from the right. recently published stats because 30% of our people are engineers. So, mm-hmm. and maybe it's 50% for mm-hmm. some company like Google. We we have a number of engineers. It's kind of equivalent to the number of engineers mm-hmm. at Facebook. It is not surprising that our results are not wildly different from theirs. But we're making progress on it. I actually co-ed a group that, um, that our board has charged with taking us to a different place in diversity, not just talking about it. So Great. All right. Questions from the audience? Thank you, Marty. Questions? Right back there. We'll do three. Marty, you talked a bit about uh, open source and open components within Goldman. We hear uh, a lot of the five different flavors of you know, open source in every area we look at. How do these companies kind of eventually survive? How do they make money uh, from your perspective? Kind of what's the best way for them to monetize? Sure. Um, well, I could turn it around and say that, um, look, we have, a, we have a, a, a substantial engineering spend at Goldman Sachs. It's, it's $3 billion a year annually. And so um, I've got to show up on the, on the call list of a lot of uh, leaders of software and hardware companies. And I'm actually just a terrible person for them to talk to because we're actually way off in the download build buy. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to sell us a bunch of database licenses, well, as it happens, since we got so many engineers, we're very happy with MongoDB, which has a price that we really like. And so, <laughs> oh, uh, yay, <laughs> yeah, exactly. A little plug. I didn't see you there. Hi, Dave. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and Party later. <laughs> HQ. Perfectly okay. timed. Right. And so, look, I think uh, there's always a case for selling uh, solutions, services, add-ons. This is actually the, the symphony model. Um, of course, it's been proved out by Red Hat, and there are many other companies working on proving it out right now. Mm-hmm. Not as many companies as we would like, to yeah. be honest, right? I, and in, in terms of what we're doing at Goldman Sachs, if you just look at our partners increasingly, there are people with whom we can collaborate, as we are with MongoDB. We've got some kit that we think makes great add-on to the likes of MongoDB's offerings, and so we think it's all, it's all working. What what would I say my, my counsel is just you know, what I learned the hard way in running a software and what all of you, are, a software company, what all of you who are in sales know, which is that uh, you have a sale if you've identified your client's unbearable pain and convinced them that only you can stop the pain, right? And everything else is just getting lucky. I think that's always been sales and it continues to be in the open software model. Great. Other question? Right here. 
Oh, sorry. Why don't we do there and there, and that's it. Go ahead. Very quickly. Thanks, Sarah. Uh, John Elm from Graycroft. I had a question about robo advisors, and yeah. you know, it's an area that's attracted a lot of venture capital. Mm -hmm. Sure. How We've does, invested in some of them. Yeah. Exactly. How, how does GSAM and, and your own private wealth management look at that, and how are you thinking internally about evolving that? Yeah. So, um, so, so in our. In, in our investment management division, you mentioned GSAM, which is asset management institutions. We also have private wealth management for, for individuals. These are sort of individuals with, with quite a lot of investable assets. And so um, we, we don't think today that the robo-advisors have uh, an offering that, that would be at all suitable for our 50,000 ultra-high net worth uh, individual clients. And look, there's, there's all kinds of reasons. If you've ever looked at a, at, a, at a K-1 partnership tax return, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. And so on the other hand, one of the things that we think about a lot is disruption from below. So the, the mainframe companies and the mini computer companies at their peril ignored these little microcomputers and then they took over, right? And so you, you gotta be looking at the robo-advisors and saying for someone with you know, a few thousand dollars to invest, they actually, they have a brilliant offering, right? It is really the best, you know, I won't name one specifically, but you'll know which one I'm talking about. It's really the best financial advice, which is you don't really need more than five to seven ETFs quarterly rebalanced with a tax efficient harvest, harvesting. So we're paying a lot of attention uh, to that kind of disruption uh, from below. We're doing what we do, which is putting these uh, five, 10, 20% investments all over the place. It's a great way, uh, great way for us to learn, a great way when these companies come to us and say, hey, what can we do to address a different market? We have ideas for that. And this investment strategy of placing small investments in a large number of companies that are aligned with our business, um, and especially as we engage in this platform strategy, opening up our platform, we, uh, you know, we love the idea of people monetizing our platform away from us. And we love even more the idea that we would own 10% yeah. of those companies. I'm going to disagree with you. I think they're going to be a big deal in healthcare, finance, everything else, once they really get them looking like people. You know, I was at MIT recently, and they had one. Um, the issue is around the eyes when they do the ones, the healthcare ones, that people don't trust the robot's eyes, which is interesting. All uh, right, right, right. Well, you know, and there's, there's, there's certainly, as we say in finance, and this would right. be true in medicine as well, right. when the market is melting down, right. you yeah, might want absolutely. to talk to Okay, person. last very quick question. We're running a little late. Um, Aaron, science. Um, given the engineering resources at your disposal, how do you approach the decision of whether to build or to buy? So, buying is the last resort in every case, and so it's actually pretty pretty simple. First, we make sure that we know what platforms are out there that are downloadable. There, there's so much on GitHub that. You know, to really know what's out there and what's all useful is really um, kind of beyond anyone's purview. Actually, I, I found an amazing strategy so that I know what's what in the world of downloadable open open software. So um, there's a there's a young gentleman who had offers from all the tech companies, and he had an offer from from us. And you know, he's 22, and um, I he found his way to my office. Not a scalable recruiting strategy. But um, he, he said, you know, I will accept your offer, Marty, if you agree to a one-on-one -on -one 
one hour a month mentoring meeting with me in perpetuity. And actually, this is the meeting I most look forward to all month. Uh, this, this, this kid tells me what's out there. And I find that people who've just graduated know a lot more than, than I do and, and, and more than almost anybody. So that's how we know what's downloadable that we might possibly use and we put a lot of time and energy into that. And then after that, well, we've got 11,000 engineers. And so we're pretty good at building stuff. And it's very rarely these days that we, um, in desperation, turn to buying anything. Great. Marty, you're fantastic. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.